Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Maranatha. It shall be focused on a study of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word. The heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. Speak to us today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me. For I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, and Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. The first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi by Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus and Timotheus. Up next... We shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Hear Ye Him. This was preached in 1959 on April the 24th in the evening. We'll begin a paragraph 28 up to 63. I trust you find it to be a blessing. God, before he does anything, before he 
any notable thing, he always makes it known that he's going to do it. I think that's what's happening right now. That this nation is so combed by evangelism. There's something fixing to happen. And this time there was going to be a great thing happen, so he called three of his servants. And three is a witness in the Old Testament. By the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word be established. And God meets in different uh, councils of man. Sometimes he meets with large numbers. Sometimes with small numbers. Once he met with 500. Again he met with 70. Then with 12, 3, even the 1. That's what makes him so real. So we find that they was called out, Peter, James, and John. And if you notice, Jesus always taken those three with him wherever he went. In the house of uh, the priest that he rose his daughter. I always wanted to think of it this way. The three was, was faith, hope, and charity. Peter represented faith, James represented hope, and John loved charity. Faith, hope, and charity. It bears witness to God. And they went up on what we know to be the Mount Transfiguration. It must have been a great place. Peter later in one of the epistles wrote and called it the holy mountain. Now he did not mean the mountain was holy. It isn't the holy mountain. It was the holy God on the mountain. It isn't the holy church. It isn't the holy people. It's the holy ghost in the church and in the people. Then we find him. As they went up, they also treat to bear record on earth. This was a very special occasion. So three came from heaven to make heaven and earth agree. There they seen transfigured the Lord Jesus heavenly, and they seen Moses and Elijah. Three of them. Three on earth. Three in heaven. Now what he was doing here, God has never asked the man to do anything that he himself would not do. That's the reason I appreciate Brother Cliburn's song here. I like to sing it. In a day when they try to make Jesus just a prophet, try to take deity away from him. Some time ago, a woman who belongs to a church that believes he was just a prophet, a, just a good man, a teacher, if he was that, we're all in sin. God created that body, Jehovah, and he built the own tabernacle that he lived in. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, was a tabernacle that God dwelt in himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 
this lady said to me, she said, Preacher, I like to hear you speak because you seem to be sincere, but said, there's just one thing wrong. And I said, well, if you can only find one thing, I'm happy. She said, here's what it is. You brag too much on Jesus. I said, I had ten million tongues I couldn't brag enough on. I could not find words to speak his precious praises. It doesn't lay in mortal language to speak it. Angels can't find words to express it. But she said, you see, he was just a man, and you tried to make him God. I said, he was a God-man. And she said, if I'll prove to you by your own scriptures that he wasn't, that he was just merely a man, a good man, a teacher, that's all he was. I said, if the scripture says so. She said, all right. She said, in St. John the 11th chapter, when he was going down to the grave of Lazarus, the scripture said that he wept. And that showed he wasn't nothing but man. I said, sister, your argument is thinner than the broth made out of a shadow of a chicken that starved to death. Why, that wouldn't hold nothing. I said, when he went down to the grave, it's truly that man part was weeping. But when he straightened those little stooped shoulders up and said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man had been dead four days, stood on his feet and lived again. That was more than a man. He was a man when he come down off the mountain hungry, looking for something to eat on the tree. That was a man hungry. But when he took five biscuits and two pieces of fish and fed 5,000, that was more than a man. That was God in the man. When he laid out there on that little ship that night, tossed about where 10,000 devils of the sea swore they drowned him, and it tossed about like a little bottle stopper in a storm, he was a man while he was asleep. But when he put his foot on the rail of the boat and said, Peace be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed him, that was more than a man. That was God speaking to him. It's true that he died on the cross crying like a man, but on Easter Sunday the Roman seals could not hold the grave. The rock could not do it, and he broke the seals and rose again. No one of the poets said, Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. Someday he's coming, oh, glorious day. Certainly, he was more than a man. He was God in his Son. God, the Spirit, dwelling in a tabernacle that he created himself by a virgin birth, that he might come into this holy tabernacle to manifest himself to mankind, expressing what he was in his own Son, Jesus Christ. And here he was, 
standing up there now as God had to be made flesh so that he could suffer pain and suffer uh, the agony of death that he might die for all creatures. And then we find what he was doing in the Old Testament. They had a law. And now listen to this and throw out the bones. They had a law of this that when a, a baby boy was born in the house of the father. Have you ever noticed in King James Version, the translation of the 14th chapter of St. John, in my father's house is many mansions? Doesn't that sound strange? In my father's house, the little house is many mansions. Now you see, in the days of King James, the house was called the domain. And the king was the father of that domain. The right translation is this. In my father's kingdom is many palaces. One Moffat, I, someone, I re don't remember which one it was, made it more ridiculous than King James has got it. Said, in my father's apartment house is many apartments. <laughs> we ain't going to rent no apartments up there, I'm sure of that. But the real translation is in my father's kingdom. But you see, in translating that for... The king, they had to make it in the, the language that they talked in, which was more like the Bible time. When a father owned a great, great farm, a little boy was born in this home. He was a child, as, and he was a son as soon as he was born. But, now there's where I think that we, the full gospel people, has made a little slight mistake, maybe not intentionally, but trying to tell the people as soon as you receive the Holy Spirit, that settles it. It doesn't. It doesn't. You're only put on trial. And this boy, when he was born, he was a son. But then the father would go out and find the best tutor or raiser that he could find for this child to educate it. He wanted his son to be brought up in the very best of school that could be. And then this tutor brought the father word all the time how his son was progressing. Notice how typical that is of God. When we were born into the household of God, God searched the heavens to find the best teacher he could find for his church. That was a bishop and archbishop. That was the Holy Ghost. That's the teacher and the tutor to the church that's born again and the body of Christ. And how do you think that tutor felt when he come up before the Father with a shame face and had to say, that little boy of yours that you love so much, oh, he's a rascal. He's not doing good at all. He's not interested in your affairs. He's just a, a rascal about. How he must felt. What do you think the Holy Spirit does now when he comes up into the presence of God to tell the Father the behavior of his church? I can make this awful poison right here. 
maybe I'll just let it go. Just touch a few things. What do you think that it comes up before the Father and says, you know, that church that's born again down there, they're even teaching perverse things that the days of miracles is past. What do you think about that? What if he has to tell the behavior that lots of the deacons is married four or five times and still holding the deacon's office? You must blush to do that. How that the women has cut off their hair. How that they wear shorts instead of dresses. Mm, that must have been awful. Or someone said to me not long ago, said, Brother Branham, said, you see, I don't wear those shorts. I wear those, you know, what did you call them? Flags. That's worse than ever. The Bible said that a woman that will put on a garment that pertains to a man, it's an abomination in the sight of God. What's happened? It used to be wrong for you Pentecostal people to do that. Somebody let down the bar somewhere. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Right. But the Holy Spirit has to take record up before the Father for those things. Isn't that terrible? My, it must be awful. Has to do it. Taking those kind of a messages of the way that they do. And then what do you think that he has to do to say that his daughters and sons are smoking cigarettes? He ever made a smokestack on you? He gave you some lungs to breathe air. But he has to take that message that they'll not pay any attention to the preacher. I'll do it anyhow. And wonder what he thinks when the preacher isn't preacher enough to tell about it in the pulpit. Thinks more of a meal ticket than he does the gospel. What about that? About his preaching. Oh, it could get scorchy, but we'll let it go. You say, Brother Branham, you're, you're striking us women too much. All right, then, man, here it comes. Any man that'll let his wife wear them kind of clothes and smoke cigarettes, it shows what you're made out of. Exactly right. I've got, I've got little respect of you being a man. True. Oh, you might be big and have big muscles, and I've seen men that weighed 200 pounds and muscles like iron and didn't have an ounce of man in them. That's right. Man's not measured by his muscles, but by the bags and the knees of his pants where he's been praying. That's what I'm Man is not measured by muscle, he's measured by character. There never was a greater man than Jesus Christ. That's right. And he was measured by character, not by statue. Well, I come to pray for the sick. They'll take care of that. But notice, what a condition. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I must flush when he comes before the Father. And when he comes to say, you know, the assemblies and the Church of God won't agree together. The Methodists and the Baptists are fighting. The Presbyterian knows it all won't let none of the rest of them come in. What do you think that happens when the Holy Spirit has to take that before the Father, the tutor of the Church? You see, the reason you don't go to the Holy Spirit for these things you adopted some other kind of a tutor, but that's really not your tutor. The Holy Ghost is God's selected tutor. You might get a, 
want them to come tell you that them things are all right, but that's not God's tutor. God's tutor will follow the instruction of God's Word. Amen. Mm. But that's the truth. But then what if the Son still won't obey? That Son, though He is a Son, we can't say that He's not a Son, but He'll never have any inheritance. That Father says that He won't listen, He won't obey, I can't put trust in Him, I just have to let Him go. He's always a Son. Now, if you're born to the Spirit of God, I have to stay with that because you're a Son of God. But if you, you lose all your, your the glory, then what if this Son is a good Son, an obedient Son? Oh, how He loves the Father. How the, the tutor would like to say, Oh, Dad, I'll tell you what. You know that boy of yours? He's a chip off the old block. I'm telling you, he's just about your business justice. Why, he take care of him as good as you can right now. How the Father swells out. Oh, sure, that's my boy. That's the way I want him to think about us. That's the way I, we want to follow the instructions of this Word. Live by it. Preach by it. Die by it. That's what God wants us to do. Then, if that child was obedient, then there set a certain day when he become of age. Now, the Pentecostal church ought to be of age. Forty years old or better, about fifty. So it should be of age. Then there comes a day when that son becomes, he's going to be adopted or placed. You understand what I mean. He's a be placed positionally. He becomes heir. Now, they take him out in the street and they put him on a certain garment. And they have a ceremony. And after that ceremony, this child is placed or adopted into the same family he was born in, and his name's just as good on the check as his daddy's is. Right. He falls heir. He's positionally placed. And that's what God was doing here to his son because he had found him. Hallelujah. He had found him. This is my beloved son. God took him up there on the mountain, brought down the witnesses from heaven, brought up the witnesses from earth. And what did he do? He dressed him in a robe of immortality. His raiment shined like the sun. Hallelujah! Don't let that scare you. That means praise our God. Robed him in a robe of immortality and spoke, This is my beloved son. What? I'm placing him. I'm stepping back from the picture. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Oh, it excited Peter. He was so excited like man does get excited when the supernatural takes place. There's usually a mixed multitude like went with Moses and like went with this last revival in the last days. A mixed multitude always creates that. Peter got all excited when he seen the supernatural. People does that. And right quick, he wanted to make him some denominations and fix them all up. He said, I'll tell you what we'll do. He said, let's build a tabernacle for all those that want to keep the law with Moses. And let's build another church over here and make all that wants to keep the saying of the prophets. But I want you to notice that he said, we'll build another tabernacle over here for all wants to believe in the grace of God, Jesus Christ. 
But before he could get that out of his mouth, something took place. And I'm so glad that it did. What could the law do for me? There was no grace in the law. The law was a, a policeman that told me I was a sinner. It put me in jail, but it had no power to get me out. Oh, I'm so glad. Then the next was Moses represented God's law. To say that you're guilty and you're subject to death and there's no mercy in it. It's the law. The day you eat thereof, that day you die. Now, what did Elijah represent? God's justice. I don't want justice. I want mercy. I don't care for his justice. I want his mercy. Christ met his justice for me. Amen. All the lights you went up there on the hill with the commission from God. And the king found him and said, Take 50 men and go up there and bring him down. We'll get that holy roller down here and teach him something. And old Elijah sat down on this rock by the brook Cedrus and his had colored servants were serving him every day with crows, bringing him bread and meat, and he was drinking. He was saying, poor old Elijah, he's better off than a lot of us. And there he sat there, and, and the first thing you know, he seen an army coming of 50. And he raised up and said, if I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume them. And down come the fire. And they were consumed. That's justice. It's forbidden on that ground. Oh, the king said when he heard about it, there must have been an electric storm that day. I know how people try to figure it out, you know. It must have been lightning struck. I'll send another 50. And when old Elijah saw them coming, he raised up and said, If I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven and consume you. And down come the fire and consume them. God's justice. He got tired sending fifties. Certainly, I don't want his justice. I want his mercy. But oh, we can't stand there while Peter yet spake these words before they come out of his mouth. There was a voice come from heaven and said, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. The Moses don't hear him. The justice don't hear him. It's all been met in him. Hear ye him. No more laws. No more judgments because he bears our judgment. I'm so glad the law could do nothing for me. But what can Christ do for me? Christ represents not his law, not his justice, but he represents his mercy, his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Christ can give me love. Christ can give me eternal life. Christ can give me healing for my body. Christ can give me satisfaction. Christ can take away my gloom and give me happiness. The law couldn't do that. The prophets couldn't do that. But hear ye him. The church can't do it today. The world can't do it today. Your money can't do it today. Your friends can't do it today. So hear ye him. 
He's the only one can do it. There's many of you here now dying, got cancer, heart trouble, be dead in a few days if something doesn't take place. Your doctors turns you down, the clinics turns you down, the hospitals turns you down, and if they can't do nothing for you, hear ye him. I'm the Lord that healeth all thy diseases. Hear ye him. Come with it with love. The world is dying today for love. Christians today, we've got fine scholarly churches, wonderful buildings, but we got weak pulpits. There's something wrong. The congregation don't feel to one another like they used to. There's something missing. The world is looking to that, Christians. What we need today is a baptism of love for one another. This will all men know you're my disciples when you have love one for the other. And no man has greater love than he that will lay down his life for his friends. Hear ye him. He was the only one that could do it. There was not an angel could do it. There was nothing else could do it. And he did it. Got no right to listen to nothing else contrary but him, to him. It's hear ye him. Bible said you are the salt of the earth. The salt's the Savior if it contacts. But if it's lost its strength, no matter how much it contacts, that's where the church is. That's what's the matter. They have lost their brotherly love. They've lost the feeling for one another. The world, the peoples, are looking for something that's real. They've seen so much mockery, so much put on. People say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in divine healing. And then act different. Say I'm a Christian, go out and put on them kind of clothes. Say I'm a Christian and act go out and smoke cigarettes and shoot dice and do all these other kind of things. Shame on you. That's a, 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 I'm not, I love you. But brother, I'd rather give you just a little correction now than when it comes to the judgment you say, Brother Renham, I'm so glad you've done it. It's too late then. What we need is a love and respect for God and for His people. No matter what they belong to, the denomination, as long as they're brothers, they're brothers. We need a love for one another. And love will contact when nothing else will do it. I'm a hunter. I know animal life. They say, Brother Bram, aren't you afraid to walk up to them bear and think, well, just a knife in your hand? Certainly not. I know that if you're afraid of that animal, he knows it. You can't bluff him. He knows it. But if you're not afraid, he knows it too. See? And if an animal by instinct knows that, what does a man? You can't put on some painted fire. We say, oh, I'm a Christian. You paint a fire of something it was. You can't tell a freezing man, see that great big fire that burned one time? Now go get warm by it. Painted fire don't warm. It's got to be the same fire. We need the fire of God's love in our hearts. We can't get formed by some historical doctrine. We've got to have the Holy Ghost now. The same Spirit that sent Pentecostal fire in the first day has got to be the same Pentecostal fire today. That's burning their hearts with love to die for one another. They went forth with only one objective, win souls to Christ. One motive, love. That's all. I had a friend not long ago, I used to hunt with him up in the North Woods. He was one of the best hunters I ever hunted with. Crack shot, good tracker, but the meanest man I ever seen. He was really a, a mean. 
And he used to tease me because me being a preacher, I liked him because I've won hundreds of such men to Christ being in the woods. Now, I like to hunt with him because you can leave him anywhere. You never had to look him up. He knows where he was at. His name was Bert. And I'd go up there and he would shoot these little fawns just to make me feel bad. Now, if you want to kill a fawn, that's all right. Abraham killed a calf and said it to God. But just simply to turn around and shoot him just to be mean to act smart is sometimes it's not the things you say, it's the way you say it. Not, it's not the things you do, it's the way you do it. And so he would just shoot those little baby fawns to make me feel bad. I'd say, Bert, you're the meanest man I ever seen. Why, why do you do that, Bert? Them poor little fellows, he said, Oh, Billy, get next to yourself. You're a chicken-hearted preacher, that's all there is. Said you're a good hunter, but I, 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 you're chicken-hearted. I said, Bert, that's not chicken-hearted. I said, that's trying to act with sense. I was a game warden seven years, state game warden. I love wildlife. And I don't like to see it butchered up. I don't like to see anything run over, no matter what it is. Then I, he said to me one time, I went up there and he had, he had made a little whistle. And he could take that little whistle and go just like a little fawn crying for its mama. A little cry of the fawn is the, the little baby deer. And he could make that go just like the little fawn crying for its mama. I said, Bert, you're not going to do that. Oh, he said, go on, preacher. That's what's the matter with all you preachers. You're so tender-hearted. said, you just go on chicken-hearted. said, I'm, I go out to hunt game. I said, I, I love you, Bert, but don't do that. So we went hunting that day, and it was been a little late this season. I'd worked late. And so he, we took us a jug, a thermos bottle of hot chocolate. It's stimulation. When you get real cold, sometimes it's 10, 15, 20 below zero, and we just stick these hot chocolate in there. When we eat a dinner that gets hurt or get cold while we take a drink of that hot chocolate. So it, it was a late in the season. Just as soon as the guns start firing, them little deer scoot for cover. And I mean, they stay there. They know better than to come out. So they'd had about six inches of snow, just good tracking weather. And I know we'd get here pretty soon. So we started out that morning, and he was leading, and he went up Cherry Mountain around towards Washington. And when he come along, usually we'd hunt till noon, and then we'd separate. Bert would go one way and I another, and then we'd wander away back into the camp, get in that night. So as along about noon, he sat down at a little clearing, about half the size of this building, and he sat down on the snow, and he started back in his uh, side, and I thought he was going back to get uh, that chocolate, and we'd have just a bite. I set my rifle against the, the tree, and he pulled out that little whistle, and he looked up to me with them lizard-looking eyes, and he said, but it's not like that. I said, Bert, you wouldn't do that. And he cried just like a little baby deer crying. And just across the opening, a great, big, beautiful doe stood up. Now, a doe is the mother deer. She was so close that I could see the big brown eyes and those great, big, pretty ears sticking up. Now, that's unusual. They won't raise up that time of day. They're laying down. And she looked. And he looked back to me as if to say, you see what I told you? I thought, Bert, surely, surely you won't do that. And he said, he played it again like this little 
this little doe, a little mother, uh, little fawn. And I look, and this big deer steps right out into the opening. That's altogether unusual. Why did she do it? She was a mother. There was a mother love in her. A baby was in trouble. She wasn't a hypocrite. She wasn't, say, going to church just to be seen. There was something inside of her. She was a mother. She had love. And the love was for her baby. She was born a mother. And she listened again. And old Bert reached down and pulled up the boat on that 30 off 6 and throwed the shell up into the barrel, leveled down. I thought, oh my, in a moment he'll blow her heart plumb out of her. She walked right out in that open. And anyone who hunts deer knows that that's, that's altogether unusual. But what was the matter? There was something in her, constraining her. And she turned. She saw the hunter right across the bush. And he was a dead shot. And that scope hair was laying right across her heart. I thought, oh, I can't look at it. How can I look at that? When that precious mother, he'll blow that loyal heart plumb out of her, 180 grain soft point bullet, why, he'll cut a hole into that pig at that distance, not over 30 yards from her. He'll turn her over and over and over when he hits her. And that loyal heart will be blown plumb out of her. I thought, how can he do it? And I turned my head, I couldn't look at it. I couldn't see anything that real and loyal. He brought down like that. I turned my head and I started real softly praying, Lord, don't let him do that. That poor mother's out there looking for her baby. She can't help it. There's something in her. She's born the mother. And there's a baby in trouble. Regardless of, of danger, they don't know any danger. They move on anyhow. And I waited and I waited and the gun never went off. And I turned to see, and the gun barrel was going like this. He looked up to me in great big tears running down his cheeks. He threw the gun on the ground, grabbed me by the pants leg. He said, Billy, I've had enough of it. Right here on that snowbank, teach me that Jesus that you talk about that really got love. What was it? He had seen something real. He seen something displayed that wasn't put on. It was something genuine. There on that snowbank, I led that cruel-hearted sinner to the Lord Jesus because a mother dear could display something real. Love. Real love. Death or nothing else could ever separate it. The Bible said a mother may forget her suckling babe, but never can I forget you. Your names are engraved upon the palms of my hands. Hear ye him, friend. He's the one that gives you eternal love. Let us bow our heads. Just before we pray. How many in this great audience here tonight, now be honest at the closing of this service, how many of you honestly would like to have the love of God in your heart to display to the world 
as much love of God as she had mother love, that old mother dear. God bless you, lady. God bless you. Just look over this audience with the hands. Literally hundreds. Lord, give me that kind of a love. A love for my brothers. A love for my, for my people. A love of God that just causes me to be what Jesus would want me to be. A real, birth-born-again Christian. You really mean that now? You can have it. Bow your heads just a moment now for prayer. In your heart, pray and say, God, put love in my heart. I hear him calling. What is that little voice that made me raise my hand? That's him. Hear ye him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish have eternal life. O oh Lord, there is many, many hands of mothers, fathers, young and old, raising their hands. They heard a little voice that spoke to them, you need this kind of love. And they come humbly now to accept it. It is written in the word, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Give to them, Lord, this great love, and may it so saturate their hearts that'll cause them to go right out in the face of the enemy, right out in the face of danger or anything to bring in lost souls to the kingdom of God. For that is the Father's will. As Jesus said, which seem not that I should be about my father's business and his business of saving lost souls. Grant, Lord, tonight that each of them will receive this deep love that we speak of, for I commit them unto thee as the trophies of this message. They are yours, and it is written, He that will hear my word and believe on him that sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into the judgment, but pass from death unto life. The Spirit that spoke was Him, and they have received Him. Now keep them, Father, in perfect peace. Let their hearts be stayed upon Thee. If I never shake their hands on this earth, may I do it in a better one, just across the river. While we ask it in Jesus' name, Thy Son, Amen. Oh, don't you just love him? Let's sing that song. Give us the chord. I love him. Let everyone here now sing it with me. Worship now. Everybody together. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. When we were unlovable, he loved us. Let's all sing it now. All together. All right. I love him. Just worship him. I Oh, my.
don't you feel good? If you feel real washed out by the blood of the Lord Jesus, just raise your hands and sing it. Ah. Just look to him now and worship him. Tell him. Ah. could hum that while we just think of his goodness, how he's done for us. Mm. Just close your eyes now. Imagine he's right before you. The most lovable object in all heavens and earth. He's expression of the Father's love. First love. to thee for the love of God that shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We feel his divine presence just bathing our soul. After hearing the word, sinking down deep in our hearts, and hearing the simple little story, so glad, Lord, meeting him about a year ago and how he hugged me. Said, Billy, I'll never forget that snowbank. Then some 14 years ago, still a lovely Christian, deacon in the church. We're so happy for that, Lord. How that a display. God is, if they hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. God can display his love through his animals, through anything that he desires to can pick up anything and use it for his glory. We're so happy for that. We're so glad for Jesus that he loved us, and we're having fellowship around his word now, fellowshipping in the Holy Spirit. May we ever be in this condition, Lord, bound faithfully, meetings closing after the prayer line. 
I shall get back in the next few months. There's perhaps some here who won't be here. This will be our last time meeting. So we meet at that gate. It'll all be over then. Grant, Lord, that everyone in divine presence that you've sent out tonight, may they all be there that day. Singing it anew, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. Grant these blessings, Father, as we ask in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we're calling the prayer line. And I would ask thee once more, Lord, is leaving the valley now, that you would grant the presence of the Lord Jesus so real tonight that it would work and do the same things that he did when he was here on earth. May every heart be committed to him. And may my heart, Lord, grant that I can just yield myself so to your Holy Spirit that it might use my eyes and my lips, that might see the vision and speak it perfectly, that the people might know that it's you and your promise. And we'll praise thee, for we ask it all in his name. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that we've heard Your word in our last day. And help us, Father, to bring many that are ordained to this truth to come to the knowledge of Your gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, saying, Hear ye Him. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Men's hearts are failing for fear Diversed ways are everywhere It's a sign, my friend We are living in the end time The generation that sees The budding of the victory Shall be the last one In the end time, more and more, even now, come Lord Jesus, and take your waiting bride away, for we are living in the end time. Take your waiting bride away, for we are living in the end time. Scientists call the signs UFOs, but they simply do not know they're investigating angels coming down in the end time. Modern events that you and I see are made clear.
indicated prophecy it's a sign my friend that we are living in the end time Maranatha even now come Lord Jesus take your true prophet this generation has denied but his message was received by God's little bride hear his voice my friend we are living in the end time one like unto the son of man in a cloud showed his final sign hear his voice my friend we are living in the end time Maranatha, even now Come Lord Jesus Take your waiting bride away For we are living in the end time Take your waiting bride away the bride say come for the day of mercy is almost done hear his voice my friend we are living in the end time he that is filthy will be filthy still so my friend be surrendered unto God's will hear his voice my friend we are living Take your waiting right away for we are living in the